How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Frankie. And I'm Alex. And we are your FNA friends. <laughs> this is FNA Van Life, the podcast. Frankie and Alex, that's the F and the A to FNA Van Life, in case you didn't know. And there was a whole rap about it, and I hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> I was going to say, they definitely <laughs> rapped the whole name. We didn't have to give that deep of an explanation, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> We're going a little bit crazy right now. Update from the road. We're sitting at the side of, like, a beautiful lake. But last night when we were here, we got, like, attacked by bugs because we didn't close up our doors early enough as well as we left on our white lights. So we had our white lights on. We're working on our computers. We had all the screens up. So, like, the back doors are wide open. We have a big screen up the back. Our two windows were open. They both have screens. And we're just, like, working away, and then we look up, and we're like, holy shit. Here's the deal. These bugs were so small because they were gnats. They were so small that they could fit through the freaking screens. So the windows that had screens on it, as well as the back door that we had our bug net up, these gnats were able to get through. Yeah, so they're crawling through. They're flying up. I think they're also coming through our hatch in the roof. Yeah. So we've had this issue before in Alaska where the mosquitoes... Kept getting into the house somehow. Everything was completely closed up, but they were still able to get into the house. And I think that the Hiki Dometic hatch that we have on the back here is somehow not fully sealed. So one of our projects coming up is actually going to be to put like weatherproofing around it so that when you close the dome, it actually seals shut. I'm definitely seeing some come in right now, but. but? It- yeah, but it is Oh no. But I it see is it not too. nearly as bad as it was with the white light. With the red light, it seems like only few are attracted to it. Um, but yeah, you can see that they're going in and out where the, the hiki is. So we're gonna do two things. We're gonna seal around the edges of it. That way when we put it back up, they can't just walk through that space. They have to they'll get stuck in between. And then also on top of that, I'm gonna seal the top of it so that way we have no worries at all. Okay. That was Paco giving his two cents about the situation, shaking his head. Yeah, he doesn't love the bugs either. No, and I don't blame him. So I feel like that's something that people don't really talk about either is the red light. So we have our lighting set up where it can be any different color. And some people kind of made fun of us. They're like, oh, it's like a disco van. Like, what are you trying to, like, take kids to prom? Nobody said that. I just made that up. But they (laughs) basically were like, oh, it's like a party bus, right? But the point of the red light is that bugs are very much attracted to white light, which was our problem yesterday. We were so dumb. But so then if you change the lighting spectrum to something on the red scale, so like a red or an orange, they're less attracted to that light. So we have our red lights on as low as they could possibly go. We're basically sitting in the dark like a submarine inside of our van trying not to get swarmed. The other really cool thing about the red light, though, is that it allows you to be able to see out the vehicle as well. Outside, your eyes don't have to adjust, and you can see, like, what's coming your way. Our friend who's in the military was like, it's great for shooting people. (laughs) Okay, cool. That's not what we're using it for, but... But what realistically, what we're here today to talk to you guys about is the fear, you know, and and one thing that we are fearful of is bugs. Yeah, I feel like this hasn't been a problem for us. We have other friends who've been infested with spiders. We have friends who've had mice. We have friends who... Somebody commented on our story yesterday that their entire 40-foot trailer was infested with ants every single inch of it we've been incredibly lucky that we've never had anything super bad like that obviously you'll get like a fly in the house from time to time the gnat thing was probably the the mosquito thing was worse because mosquitoes actually bite you gnats just kind of buzz around and then die so 
I think that's a fear that people don't think about is just bugs. Yeah, bugs is definitely one of the things. I mean, you could have all different types of animals, like Alex was talking about, get into your van. And there are many different ways to avoid that or things that will deter them. So we're going to talk about a lot of those things today in this podcast. We actually put up a story on Instagram. If you guys don't follow us there, FNA Van Life, very easy to follow us. And we put up questions up there that we'll be talking about on the podcast. So if you ever want to be involved, this is the way to do it. We have over 20 different messages that we received on things that people were fearful about uh, when they're on the road, living mm-hmm. in their vehicles. So we're going to go through kind of a list of these. Obviously, like our whole goal with this podcast is to bring people more information about the lifestyle. And I think a reason that a lot of people don't get into van life is because they're overcome with a lot of these fears. So we either want to alleviate some of them for you or break down how you can overcome some of these fears or things that you can do to like build your life or different tools that you might Mm -hmm. need to have on board so that the fear doesn't really matter anymore. Yeah. And we'll start off with like the common ones, the misconceptions, as well as the ones that are like really the fearful ones, the real things that really could disrupt your travels and make them a lot harder. So one thing I want to talk about right off the bat is like, I know that everybody's probably like, oh my God, money. Yeah. We had a couple comments about money, how to make money on the road, running out of money We were talking to our friend Mike, who was on the podcast last week, about how, you know, you have to have a savings. You have to have some kind of money in the bank so that if you break down, which is another big fear that people have, you know, if you get a bill from the mechanic and you don't have any cash to cover it, then what what are you going to do? I mean, do you just sell your car to the mechanic or your van to the mechanic at that point? Even if they want it, they they might not even want it. Yeah, and then what, you're stranded in the middle of nowhere? Anyways, so for us, this all comes back down to planning. We wrote a whole book about how to plan to quit your job to live in a van. Mm. And a huge portion of that is budgeting and putting aside you know, money for these rainy day kind of situations. Yeah. So the one thing that we always suggest to you guys is to make sure that you are financially ready for at least something big that could happen when you're on the road. So what Alex and I did is we saved up enough money to at least travel for a year. And during that year of travel, we figured out ways to make money while on the road. Now you don't have to go and do exactly what we did. That's not what we're telling you to do. We're telling you to find what you're passionate about and figure out ways that you can can make money while doing that on the road. So there are definitely different types of handyman jobs. Some people get out there and help fix or build other people's rigs. Uh, some people are out there doing their everyday nine to five, picking up barista work, you know, whatever it is. Some people are just delivering goods to people. Us, we do social media stuff. We make videos. We spot, we get sponsored deals, brand deals, things like that. That's how we create our financial stability. Um, once again, it's, there are so many different types of jobs and there's so many different ways to live for free on the road. For instance, you could become a campground host. Becoming a campground host is a very easy way to have a free place to stay. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the real secret of our van life accounting on the road is that Paco is an internationally famous supermodel. Yes. And he, you know, our dog Paco earns us millions of dollars a year with his modeling contracts. Most of it from his tooth. Uh, he has a lot of brand deals with toothpaste companies and <laughs> toothbrushes out there. Um, he is the number one tooth. Dog tooth model. Model out there <laughs> in the game right now. <laughs> Imagine. Oh my god. That'd be hilarious. Totally kidding. Yeah. Um but so speaking but, but, of all the different ways to make money on the road, I'm sure dog modeling is very lucrative. Maybe we should look into it. But before we left, we put together a list of all of the hypothetical ways that we could make money on the road. And so for every person with your particular skill set, this list is gonna look very different. If you have if you're very good at computers, 
your list is going to look different than somebody who's very bad at computers. And just make the list as long as you possibly can. Think of every single possible alternative, things that you would actually do, things that you might not want to do, things you would never do, but just kind of get the creative juices flowing and write this huge list. Yeah, I would say try to put like 90 things down on that piece of paper. That way you know for sure that there's something that you could figure out that is going to be substantial for yourself. Mm -hmm. So you have the safety net, and then you have these 90 different ways that you could pick up cash along the way. Honestly, that's one thing that Alex and I did. We wrote down all different types of jobs that we both feel that we could do, whether it was serving tables or you know social media stuff or me doing air conditioning, Alex doing some type of executive work or work from home as a uh, assistant for somebody. You know, the... There was so many things that we wrote down on that list that we knew that we could do. Mm -hmm. It made it a lot less scary, mm -hmm. was the thing. Because once you have that list, you're like, oh, well, there's kind of like unlimited ways to make money. And the fact of the matter is, the life on the road, as long as you're not having breakdown after breakdown after breakdown, is fairly inexpensive. You can have free campgrounds. You can cook all your meals at home. You can do hikes and you know other excursions that don't cost any money your budget on the road is going to be way less than it was living in a house in the city or the suburbs i think one of the biggest things guys is do not be afraid to do anything to make yourself a good dollar i mean don't go out of your way and become a prostitute necessarily but you know there are many different ways to make a very good dollar out there that you're not selling your soul or anything, but you're still doing something that has value. And there's nothing not valuable about sex work. Let's I'm, just throw that out I there. I agree, but I'm saying I know a lot of people like frown upon some cer yeah, certain things. Yeah, but I think that that's our I'm, own cultural bias. I, I think that if you do want to go out there and, you know, start your sure. own, your like just, OnlyFans, just, which is apparently not pornographic Just anymore. do me a favor. If it's going to be physical, use protection. That's all I ask. <laughs> <laughs> you could start like your own like sex webcam business out of your van. I'm sure there's a market for and that. And once again, use protection. Whether, I mean, I, I don't know what that means when it comes to the virtual this aspect, is, but use protection. On a real aside, there's this, like, hip-hop <laughs> song that was, like, super big a couple years ago. And there's a line in it that's like, we don't need protection. And I'm like, who the f are you to, like, be singing this song about, like, getting down with this girl and being like, we don't need protection? Yes, we do, because you are too slick. This is dangerous. Maybe that dude is like Magic Johnson, you know? <laughs> uh, that That's an even more dangerous predicament to be in. Oh, man. But anyways, okay, let's get to the next fear that people have yeah. on the road. Fears, fears. So another big fear is breaking down, car maintenance, being at the side of the road with no service, a flat tire. Honestly, I feel like this right here is the biggest the scariest issue of them all. I want to wait for this one till the end, but Alex jumped right into it. So, uh, why the reason why I think this is the scariest one is because you could be caught in the middle of nowhere with no service at all and have a fairly bad breakdown. And what do you do? Like, do you have a bicycle on the back or a dirt bike or like a motorcycle or a scooter or one wheel. a one wheel or something that can get you back to service? To where you could then call somebody or AAA or your towing company or your insurance company to get you towed. You know, there, there's many ways to get out of it. Also, being just a little bit handy and knowing, you know, having extra stuff and, and maybe fluids. Um, that way you could take care of the issue yourself. This is something that I've become uh, very prone to understanding in our first rig. So I know that breakdowns could be the number one concern for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And especially if you're buying an older rig, you know, something that doesn't have a warranty. Again, this comes down to money again, because if you have something that's not still under warranty, it's going to cost you X amount of dollars to fix it. It's still going to cost you time and money to fix a car even under warranty. So I think the biggest thing that it does take is your time and your money. And which is fine, as long as you're in a situation where you could get to somewhere to get it fixed, to take care of the issue, to to put yourself in a situation to be able to get back on the road. I just worry about the main aspect of being out in the absolute middle of nowhere with nobody, not telling anybody where you're going, and then, God forbid, you, like, 
break your axle, mm-hmm. you know, on the top of a mountain somewhere 40 miles out and there's nobody in sight that's even going to come to that mountain. All right. You know, remember when we were on the top of Onion Mount, uh, Onion Hill or whatever? Uh-huh. And we were up there for three days and literally there was almost not a soul in sight. Right. I mean, a couple people drove by, but not even where we were. They drove on like the lower road. Right. So... This is something that is just, I think, is the most fearful part of, you know, getting way out there in the middle of nowhere. Okay, so let's break it down into ways that we can overcome this fear and this challenge. Yes. Number one is having extra fluids on board, having a toolbox on board, and having a general knowledge of some of the more common things that could go wrong in your vehicle. And just understanding how the system works. So, like... Underneath your hood, you have your engine, you have your coolant, you have the all your little bips and bobs underneath there. Just knowing how that belt turns and what it's going around is important, I feel. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel that everybody should have a decent understanding of what's happening underneath that front hood. In our last van, we also had some extra belts. We had some extra fuel filters. We had some extra... We had a whole extra alternator, Mm -hmm. I think. We had some extra parts in the van just in case something went wrong. Yes. The other thing that you can do, say you don't have cell phone service, like Frankie said, do you have an alternate means of transportation within your vehicle beyond your two feet and a heartbeat Yeah. to get somewhere to get a little bit more service or to potentially flag somebody down on the road. So for instance, that thousand dollar one wheel that you were thinking about buying, whatever, $1,500, it might be worth it. It might be like a safety net for you to get back to society. I'm not saying go out there and buy every little (laughs) uh, uh, toy that you could have, but definitely having some of these little safety nets are great. Mm -hmm. The other thing I think is that we're often fearful of other people and Our experience on the road is that people are generally very nice and helpful. Very nice. And so, you know, I wouldn't automatically assume that if you're broken down at the side of the road, the first person who stops to help you is also going to murder you. Yeah. I think that's a fear that a lot of people have. Yeah, that's totally not the case. It is a very, you know, that's like, if you're the 1% or less that something like that happens to, that is super unfortunate. We hope that never happens to anybody. But it is... Very low on the spectrum of things that could happen. Right. And so in that case, you know, I think probably safety is another fear that people have, you know, especially if you're a solo female traveler or solo anything traveler, you know, do you have some kind of way to protect yourself? You know, hopefully you never have to use it, but, you know, it's probably worth having something on board, whether it's just something as simple as bear spray. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people have uh, animals for that reason as well. Like, a lot of a lot of solo female travelers have dogs and or, you know, an animal that's willing to protect them. So that way it takes away that fear, I think, a little bit more as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so you're broken down at the side of the road. Hopefully somebody comes to help you if you're, like, way, 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 way out. And if you're driving a hoopty and you're worried about it breaking down, I hope that you're not going way, 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 way out all by yourself anyways, because that's just like common good sense. Yeah, you're basically asking for it at that point. (laughs) Yeah. So let's say you do make that decision or you're just in the middle of nowhere. Even with a really good, reliable vehicle in the sense of what we have right now, because we have a 2019 uh, Ram ProMaster that we're living and traveling in. Um, this ProMaster, we got to a point in Alaska, a video I'm editing right now, and we get to a river crossing, and we could either choose to go across that river or find another place to park or even park next to it. We chose not to go across. If we would have had our other set of friends who has a wench or an opportunity to pull us out... We might have chose a different path, but the fact that we were alone out there with no service, we weren't going to make that uh, bad decision, I guess I'm going to say. And speaking of those friends, that's Adaptive Humanity. They have a couple of really cool safety features on board. So the one thing they have is the ham radio. Yep. So that gives you service to like talk to other truckers on the road or to talk to anybody with a ham radio. So you don't need cell phone service for that. It's a whole nother frequency. So that could be an additional way to call for help if you needed it. Yep. And the other thing that they have is a satellite phone. 
I was under the impression that satellite phones were like crazy expensive. Um, and so the actual hardware for it was a couple hundred bucks, less than a regular iPhone or something like that. But then you pay a monthly plan, which didn't even sound that crazy either. I think it's less than 60 bucks or something like that with like an annual fee of a hundred and something dollars. I don't know exactly. Mm -hmm. You would have to look into it. But for that, you can have a satellite phone that you could literally call or text people from the most remote places. If you are the type of person that is going to go off-grid really deep out there, this is something that you should really look into and possibly get. I mean, I would say get it. You know, that that's where I would be at on it. Like, buy it. Mm-hmm. It's worth it. Yeah. We don't have it. Fig- figure out that way <laughs> to make the extra couple bucks to get it. You know what I mean? We don't have it. We're just going to reserve all of our way deep excursions for when we're hanging out with adaptive humanity. Correct. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> we don't do anything crazy unless adaptive humanity is hanging out with we us. We do some crazy stuff, but as long as we have a group of friends that is with us, then we go, we'll go a little bit deeper. Yeah. You know, but if it's just us, we normally pick stuff that's off the beaten path, not too far. That way we could at least walk or jog to an area where there's going to be other people passing. Right. Okay. The next fear is kind of a silly one. Which one? It's about poop. Oh, where the shit, right? Where the <laughs> Don't shit? Don't be so crass about well, it. Well, I mean, I'm just being honest. Like, I, I understand that it's fearful in the beginning. But once you lived in a van and traveled, there's a lot of people that live in a van and travel and literally do not have a toilet. You know, a lot of people have a compost toilet, which is just a glorified bucket that you can buy for 1200 bucks. I mean, we have a bucket that we made into a compost toilet, uh, which works exactly the same as those glorified composting toilets. I mean, not exactly the same. We don't have the crank turn handle. It works very close to as well, and it was not even a fraction of the price. I know. Yeah, it was a tenth of the cost, let's just put it that way. And realistically, it does not smell. There is no issue with having it. We always take the paper and throw it out, and just make sure that it's just the solids that are going mm-hmm. on one side and the pee going diverted into a bucket itself. But so, so, to be fair, we have been living in a van for two years and we have become accustomed to not having the luxuries of indoor plumbing at our disposal at all times. Yes. In the beginning, I will say too that I never used the bucket in the beginning. I even up until we got into this rig. I very I think I used the other bucket well, twice. The other bucket was not properly set up. It wasn't set up. I could nearly... barely even use the other bucket. Yeah, but you used it a lot more than I did. I used it like very rarely. Very only rare. on like dire emergency situations. I would say maybe a handful of times. I like pooped at the side of the road in the middle of a field rather than using that bucket. I do remember that we used it uh before the wolf pack roundup and realizing that it didn't smell as, like, bad as we thought it was going to. Like, it didn't smell at all, actually. And we expected it to be, like, this stinky, like, nasty thing. And sure enough, it was actually not nasty at all, I feel like. Yeah. Imagine we sold it to the new people with the poop in the bucket. Oh, my gosh. That would be so mortifying. <laughs> uh, but regardless, the, it, the the poop aspect of it, there's so many places that you could go, whether it's in the woods when you dig a hole the proper depth and bury it, or if, you're, if there's a store nearby. I mean, almost every single store that you go into has a public restroom. It's almost impossible to not find a bathroom sometimes Mm -hmm. like there's pit toilets in a bunch of places there's porta potties there's gas stations i mean you name it there's a bathroom Mm -hmm. i think the thing that people who are not cool with van life have to get used to though is that the quality of the bathrooms (laughs) is sometimes questionable let's just say it is not your at-home bathroom all the time. Right. And so, you know, we were living in New York City before, and often we would be away from the house from, you know, 6 a.m. until 8 p.m. So you got to use the bathroom somewhere. And I'm sure a lot of people listening to this, like, who still work 9-to-5 jobs, like, 
most of your activities in the bathroom department don't happen in your own house. Yeah, but a lot of them probably happen in like an office building or somewhere that's like normally taken care Maybe. of. Maybe. I definitely had to get off the subway a couple times, like uh-huh. halfway to work and like find somewhere. I've definitely been in many <laughs> horrible bathrooms in New York City too. Some worse than even some of the places that we've been out on the road. Yeah. But I will say like there's nothing glorious about a porta potty. No. I mean, the glorious thing about the porta potty is the relief you feel after you're done using it. Correct. And that's the main reason for using the bathroom. Yeah. You know? And I, so I think that the aspect of, um, you know, pooping underneath your bench sheet or, you know, using the bathroom in a porta potty is just an idea that you kind of got to get used to. Um, if you are parked up in an area for a while, a lot of people, I used to love to just like go out there and dig a hole and, you know, just have a proper shovel because some places are a bit more rocky than others. So be ready for stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think the longer that you live in the van, the more you get used to different situations and being comfortable and okay with all of these different options. And do remember everybody else out here that's living in this lifestyle are pretty comfortable with all those options as well. So do not feel like you have to be embarrassed by any of that. I definitely have been embarrassed sometimes if you're like hanging out with a big group of people and you really got to go pee and you're like, can I just like walk into the woods right now and just like go pee? And then you see someone else do it and you're like, oh, thank God. <laughs> okay. Yeah. We're all cool with peeing in the woods. I'll be right back. Yeah. So the next one I would say is a a lot of women are fearful of just being a solo female on the road. Um, I know that you've never had to really deal with that, Alex, but Mm -hmm. like just being a female, I think this is something that you're more prone to address than I would be. Sure. I feel like the one thing that doesn't really get talked a lot about as a female traveler is that you still get your period, which I don't know if like we really want to get into this right now, Mm -hmm. but... If we just discussed, like, the gross bathroom situation, imagine the gross bathroom situation and then also having to deal with your monthly flow. It's not a beautiful combination. It is totally manageable. Um, But I will say that we kind of organize our laundry trips and definitely always get a good shower after that time of month. And we just kind of like plan around that. Yeah. I mean, I've definitely been a part of Alex's life for a while now. So I've definitely been a part of that happening. And it's, it's something that's different for women that us men never have to deal with as a man in the couple guys out there, be respectful. Like, you know, obviously they have to go through this. We don't understand anything like what it feels like and the, the problem, you know, that they have to deal with when it comes to that. Uh, All I want to say is just be respectful, understand, um, and help them out in any type of way you can because the more that you help them, the more comfortable they feel dealing with it, and it just makes the whole process a lot easier. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but generally I feel like, well, we've talked to a lot of solo female travelers on the podcast, so if that's something that you're interested in learning more about, um, we have episodes with Linnea. Um, Who else did we talk to that's solo female? Um, whew, you put me on the spot like that, <laughs> Pam. Oh yeah, Pam. Love Pam. All right, so, but we do have some other episodes for you to go look back on if that's something that you're interested in learning about. So we have one who's actually like a, in the 20, in her 20s, and then we have another lady who's in her 60s. So, right? I think mm-hmm. they 60s, right? So you have a pretty good spectrum of different type of women. So depending on what age you are, you might like correlate to both or one or the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they definitely both had some really good insights, and I think a lot of it is just about being that little extra level of careful that I think inherently comes with being a woman anyways. So here's one for all the normies out there, right? All my friends who are living in houses and stuff. um, A lot of people give people living in vans kind of crap, I guess, for being homeless, you know? So here's the thing. We do not feel homeless in any type of way. So do not feel bad for us because we are choosing to live this lifestyle and we have a beautiful home that we live inside of that we've created ourselves. The only difference is is that our home moves and we have 
chores that we have to do on a weekly basis, like making sure that we get water for our house or a bi-weekly basis, depending on how big your water storage is. Um, and then just being conscientious of like how much power you have in your house and how you want to use it. So one of my friends said the stigma of being homeless and uh, extreme lack of space slash storage. So yeah. when you start to live in a van too, you start to realize the storage aspect of things doesn't matter as much because you don't need as much to be happy. I feel like a lot of people out there are chasing happiness by buying materials. That is not how you find happiness. How you find happiness is looking inside of you and figuring out who you are and what it is that you're determined to create or be. You know, so some for some people it is creating that business that they've always wanted to make and actually going through with it. That's what creates the happiness for them. Other people it is travel and meeting different types of people and just getting their themselves out there and into a different situation than what their mom, dad, grandmother, friends, or whatever think that their lifestyle should be. So I think happiness is something that we have to look deep inside ourselves and figure out more about ourselves in order to find that happiness. Mm-hmm. I think the question was about storage more than happiness, but I totally get the correlation between like stuff and happiness. But you could also, if you really wanted to, you could make an entire van that is basically just like storage on storage on storage. We chose to have a very open concept that had limited storage because we knew that we didn't have that much stuff after downsizing once into our first van and then, you know, downsizing again into a teeny tiny U-Haul and then, you know, moving into this van, we've learned that it's not things that bring us happiness. It's experiences and people and nature. So having cabinets everywhere, you know, that we're just going to fill with stuff Mm -hmm. and makes the space feel more closed in, because that was the other part of the comment was that, like, there's not enough space. So you want tons of storage and you also want tons of space. Well, maybe van life just isn't for you. Well, here's the other thing, though, is you have a ton of space because your back doors open up and you walk outside. And guess what? You have the whole world in front of you, it feels like. Because right. you have all the landscape around you. You have hundreds, sometimes thousands of acres of land that but nobody's even on. what about all my stuff, Frank? Well, so the thing, once again, that goes back to the material aspect of life and living and how we as people have became such crazy consumers. You know, we've, we've been trying to just fill holes that aren't able to be filled with materials that have to be filled by you actually fulfilling a dream or an opportunity or, you know, figuring out who you are once again. Um, I, I just think that, yes, the question was probably more based on like space that you have inside. Like some people get a bus because they feel like they need so much space. And you can always buy like racks for the back or racks for the roof or design your van in a way that like has a ton of storage. Well, what I think is being missed is the fact that once you move into a van or a particular space that is smaller, you start to realize that the space that you're even in sometimes is even still too big. Like I think ours is perfect for us at least, Mm -hmm. but some people downsize even more than what we have. And that's, that's because that's what they're capable of doing. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what they're okay and comfortable with. Well, I think if it was just, if we were traveling individually, I don't think that we would have needed the extra long van. Like we got the biggest pro master that they had because it's the two of us plus a dog. I would have probably had a 1500, you know, I would have the smallest size, like length van that I could have really. Why not? Because that's all I would need. I mean, I would, I might actually go to the 2500 because I like a lot of toys. So I would probably have the one wheel and the bicycles and the snowboards and the, like, I would have a ton of different sports things. Right. Because that's what I truly love to do. Right. So, but yeah, so going back to the first part with the homeless stigma, I think that the only place that I've ever been stigmatized about being homeless is on the internet. Never in, like, real life, in person, rolling through towns, rolling through big towns, small towns, rural places, 
never once have I been like, I don't know, shamed for being homeless. Most of the time people see our rig and are like, wow, that looks amazing. Can I come and like have a look inside? Can I get a tour? Did you guys build this yourself? Not like, ew, you're like homeless. And like, there's nothing wrong with being homeless. It's just, it's a different thing. It's a different way of living. It's a different mindset. It's a different thought. It's a different lot of things. And it's just, it's, you know... We are homeless, kind of, but more so we are houseless. You know, we have our home. But are we? You know, it's it's We're like, stationary houseless. Yeah. <laughs> we have our home and it just is, happens to be a home on wheels. And I just find it funny because today's society that we're in now, having a stationary home is what you expect and like what is deemed as okay. Right? And I think it's great that you li- like you could live in a stationary house out there, and I, you know, one day I probably will too. But what I'm trying to say is that there's absolutely nothing wrong with wanting to live in a van for as long as you can, mm-hmm. for as long as you want to, as long as you have adventure in your soul and you feel this is the way that you want to do it. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that, mm-hmm. and that's just for the other people out there that are living in homes. To understand, you know, that there is nothing wrong with it. And if you're listening to this, you're probably intrigued with it in some type of way. Mm. So, you feel me. (laughs) (laughs) I will say, so, was it only a week ago? We did a stint of car camping because we were waiting for our van to be shipped back from Alaska on Tote Maritime. And so we lived in a car for a couple of days. And that made me feel more homeless yes. than I have ever felt in our van. Yes. In our van, we have a cozy home. It's decorated. We have a big bed. We have all of our things. We have a bathroom and a kitchen. In the car, we literally, you know, that we set up with stuff that we bought at St. Vincent du Paul's thrift store. Yeah. We literally had, like, nothing, and it was not comfortable. That definitely felt way more homeless, like and Alex said. also, it felt like everybody could see in. Yes. It felt very, like... Exposed. exposed. Yeah. It felt really, like, I don't know, like, obvious. Like, oh, we have so much stuff in the back, and people can just look in the windows, and they can see that we're living in this car. Where it probably isn't that obvious, but it just feels that way. It felt that way. Yeah. And so I get that that stigma exists because mm-hmm. I've felt it mm-hmm. but literally the only time that I felt it was in the car. Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, a lot of people do car camp, but they have an actual setup. They have yeah. a bed platform. They yeah. have, you know, an intention and a cooler and yeah. a way to charge their cell phones and things like that. We had nothing. I and will, it was so hard. I will say having the running water and the one twenty outlets, so like your normal house power outlets and having like cabinetry and stuff like that really makes a tiny home on wheels feel like a home, like feel like an actual stationary home. And I think that's what makes the huge difference for us, at least for a lot of people out there living in cars and traveling in cars, they might feel just as home as we feel in here as they do in this, in their vehicle. And once again, there's nothing wrong with that at all for us. The van is where it's at. Mm-hmm. I think if we took the time and energy to actually build out a car or a truck or a truck bed, mm-hmm. it could feel like home too. Mm-hmm. It's just that we were in such a not built out space that it felt very thrown together. So we got one comment from uh, Gabby also here. She said, thanks to y'all, a lot less than before. So like she used to be she very was fearful. Afraid. And then thanks to us for... You know, being open-minded and talking about, you know, our fears that we had and that people go through and all the different people we've interviewed and talked with, it allowed her to open up and not be as fearful anymore, which is amazing to hear. And then another one that I really loved is um, uh, Choose Your Path. Wait. Choose the path you take. Yeah, Choose the Path You Take said, nothing. We're excited to get started with it. And then they put little hard eyes in a van. So they're excited to jump into their van. It, it's kind of incredible to like see the difference between the people who are about to jump in compared to the people who are not yet in it. Totally. Yeah. Well, I think that's with anything. You know, before you get into something, 
you're going to have a lot of questions about it. And hopefully that that's what we're doing is answering a lot of these questions. Mm. And that's what the whole idea behind this podcast and our YouTube channel is, is to show what it's like to live this lifestyle and answer questions so that people who are thinking about or researching living in a van Mm -hmm. can, you know, pull from that resources to help, you know, ease some of their fears and to answer their questions. I think one way to be able to keep things balanced too is to always come out with come into things with an open mind. So when you are getting into this lifestyle or thinking about it, listen to every question and every statement with an open mind. Try not to have your own selfish point of view get in the way of being open-minded. And I know that could sound kind of weird because we all are individuals that um, have our own opinions and automatically come to a conversation with our own point of view. But what I'm trying to say is be open-minded to other point of views as well. So even though you have your say, hmm, what would this person think about that? What would that person think about it? And so on and so forth. And then you might formulate several different opinions on one specific topic that you only had one opinion on before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that can be good in the sense of, you know, we've traveled so much and we've met people from you know, all walks of life from, you know, all different political outlets and had really interesting, cool, level-headed conversations with all of them and learned a lot because we were open to learning something new from people Mm -hmm. who, you know, we might not always agree with their opinions, but we can learn from their opinions, even if we're just learning what that opinion is and why they hold it. Yeah, and I think that it's something that we both... Um, started to understand a lot more, even recently with everything going on in the world. It is very, very easy to have a particular opinion on something and even block your own friends out. The people that you've been closest to for many years, it's very easy to be like, well, we don't agree. Like, I don't ever want to talk about this or with you ever again. (laughs) You know, and yeah. Well, thankfully, we've not been kicked out of anybody's lives. We have. We haven't done that to other people either, because I think we are more rational about it. We're like more just like open or like, oh, that's interesting that you believe that. Like, let's talk about it. And I've you know had people be like wanting to get in a fight and oh, I know you you don't think the same way, and it's like that's okay. I want to know what you think. That's why we're having this conversation. Yeah, it goes back to that. You know? It goes back to that statement that we all are individuals with our individual thoughts and like we have to try not to be selfish with those thoughts. We got to try to be open with them. And I think the more we do that, the better off we'll be. Um even if somebody doesn't agree, that doesn't mean you have to hate them. But I will also say that if you're coming into van life from never being in van life ever before and you go to people that you love in your life and you say, Hey, I want to live in a van. And they're all like, you're crazy. Don't do it. That's insane. Maybe take what they're saying with a grain of salt, because a lot of these people have no experience with what it is to live in a van. You're the one who's been doing the research. You're the one who's been watching the videos and listening to the podcast. You're the one who has this fire and this calling inside of you that says, this is something that I want to try. And I think it's really easy for the people in our lives to try to put you in a safe box, to try to keep you safe and to keep you well and to do what they think is best for you. That's all out of love. But sometimes love isn't necessarily the the steer like the steer that you need. And realistically, if they're the people that don't have any experience, as well as never want to do that, obviously they're going to steer you in the direction that they want. Like in in other words, they'll never want to live in a van. So for the most part, they'll be like, "Why would you even want to do that?" So here's my, all my reasons why you shouldn't. Right. And that can go for anything in life for, Mm -hmm. you know, a business idea that you want to start or something like that. And the thing is, like, if you're 
thinking about moving into a van and then you do it and then six months from now you decide "Mm, that's not for me that's okay that's okay too you learned a super valuable lesson about yourself yes you've probably flipped that van and made some money off of it yeah you know there's a lot of good things that come out of it maybe you saw a bunch of places that you never saw before maybe you experienced several things that made you realize that this isn't the lifestyle for you and guess what you just grew as a person Mm -hmm. and i think that's with all things in life you know people are so quick to stop you from trying something new for the fear of failure but it only in failing in things are you actually going to learn what you like what you don't like what's working what's not working failure is the key to success and growth and if anybody tells you otherwise they are wrong do not listen to them for any advice whatsoever i mean literally the people that have became the highest in whatever field it is, have failed many of times. And if they tell you that they did not, they're liars too. Because we all fail. We are all human. But the main thing is about when you fail is to learn from it. Learn from what it is. You know, how do you get to the next step? Obviously, that wasn't it. What do you need to change to get to that next step? And I feel like that's true for all these fears that we're talking about mm -hmm. van life as well. So, you know, things that go wrong, you know, maybe you don't know the engine of your car very well. And that is something that scares you. Every time something goes wrong with your engine, learn what went wrong. Learn the part that went bad. Learn the part that needs to be replaced. Learn the fluids that needed to be in there to make sure that the problem didn't happen in the first place. Mm -hmm. And then moving forward, you'll know more about your engine so that you can, you know, fix more things on your own. Actually, one thing that we have to do is we have to stop at the dealership and get some fluids for our van tomorrow when we leave this spot. So don't let me forget that, please, Alex. (laughs) Thank you for the reminder. (laughs) But yeah, I think the main thing of this conversation is to not allow fear to stop you. You know, push through the fear you know, obviously follow your gut in certain situations. If you don't feel right about something, it probably it might not be the thing for you. Oh but hell yeah. It, or if, even if you're parked at a spot and you're getting weird vibes get or you're pulled up it. next to another camper and you're like, Mm, this is sketchy. Get out of there. Get out of there. You sometimes fear, you know, is inside you for a I, reason. I wouldn't even say that that is like fear of something unknown. Isn't, oh, okay. isn't necessarily a bad thing. Let's but quantify. Fear of something that you could see and you feel the fear of something being right there. Get yourself out of that situation. Yeah. Well, so I feel like a lot of the fears that we're talking today are more like anxieties. Yes. Because an anxiety is a worry about something that may or may not happen in the future. And realistically, that future has not occurred yet. So you have no clue whether or not it's a good or a bad thing. Right. You- Whereas a fear... Like, if there was a bear knocking on our door right now, that would be terrifying. (laughs) That is a real fear. And anxiety is me not camping out in a place because I am worried that there might be a bear. I don't know if I'd be afraid of the bear knocking on a door. I'd be more fearful if I was, like, walking down the trail and then the bear, like, happened to be directly in front of me. That would be more fearful for me. (laughs) Well, don't worry, because we have a giant model dog that can just terrify the bear I mean, do you know that his tooth will scare the bear away? No, his tooth will get the bear to, like, fall in love with him, and then they're going to have, like, little baby bear dog cubs. With with a tooth sticking out? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) For Paco, like, just showing his tooth is, like, the wink. You know what I mean? Oh, it, like, shines every time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right, guys, we are going to turn out the red light. We've been sitting in basically the dark this Turn entire the time. Light. We're going to enjoy the rest of our time at this lake here. And we want to thank you all for listening to the podcast. We do have a new review today that we're going to share with you guys. Of course, always leave a review wherever you listen to your podcast. Drop it a five star. That really helps the podcast grow. And we super appreciate you guys. And so we're going to give a shout out to Nick Knack, Shine Bright Like a Diamond. Left this review. Amazing podcast. One word. Amazing. Absolutely love your podcast. I binge listened to your whole podcast, well, up to the current episode, over the last three days. Wow, that was a commitment. (laughs) I said that part. I'm I'm impressed, Nick Knack. Yeah. 
There's like 43 different episodes. <laughs> yeah. And now I need more. I patiently keep checking back for a new episode. Don't worry, really. We release them every week. My boyfriend and I just bought a van last month to build out, and we are so excited. Heck yeah. Love listening to your experiences and all the stories your guests on the podcast have to tell. Congratulations to you guys on the new van. We are super excited for your travels, what you're going to build, however you're going to do it. Just make sure that you try to live the lifestyle with the right way. You know, make sure you try to leave no trace if you're out there because realistically, that is one of the biggest things that we've seen lately with the community growing so much as it is. We want to make sure to reiterate that we want to keep this community beautiful and clean and we want to pick up after others even when we haven't made the mess. Absolutely. I don't know if we've told this on the podcast yet. Probably not. But we returned to one of our favorite spots in Washington. We spent a lot of time there last summer. It was wrecked. It was horrible. It was wrecked. There was a full fifth wheel trailer that had been like burnt up to a crisp. There was garbage strewn everywhere. It was so bad that we couldn't even clean it. Like we couldn't even take a couple pieces because we were in the car at the time. If we were in the van, we definitely would have cleaned up a lot of it. But it was just terrible. It was so bad that the garbage was like rolling from like the top of the hill all the way into the beautiful pristine lake. And Alex, it was just like it was so sad. Alex pulled a chair out of the river. Um, you know, it was just really one of those places that was like majestic and beautiful and it was just completely ruined by savage people. Yeah. And I think too, I mean, we were talking about this I can never remember where we talk about things if it's like in person on the podcast and in the video. But like the spot last year was not on iOverlander. When I went and looked at the spot this year, it was on iOverlander. Mm. And I think iOverlander is an amazing thing that has brought us to so many beautiful spots. It has like the great one that we're intentions. In. Yes, but I think the problem is that now that there are so many people who know about it and there's so many people in the community and not necessarily good stewards of the community going to these places, that they can get really busy and lots of people go there that don't know the leave no trace principles. Mm -hmm. And then you end up in a situation where, you know, some crazy stuff happens. Like, I feel like that was like a drug, like a mobile drug lab that like caught on fire. And yeah. Just, or you maybe know, like, somebody stole it or whatever it might be. Yeah. There, there's so many things that it could be. We could, we could sit here and try to paint a picture in so many different ways, but realistically we don't know what yeah, happened. Maybe it was just a really unfortunate event. Yeah, We don't know what happened, but we do know that the Rice Krispie Cheats and the garbage that was left there was not an accident. We could tell that part of it. Um, so please guys, out there, do your due diligence and just try to do the right thing. Pick up after others. Pick up after yourself. Leave no trace is a very good policy. Obviously, it is not an easy thing to do. If you drive over something, you leave some type of trace no matter what. But we want to keep them clean and nice. Make sure you take your garbage with you when you leave. And I think that's the main the main message here. Um, regardless, with that being said, Paco's getting tired. I'm getting tired. We're all getting tired. It's only because it's so dark. I feel like when we left Alaska, it was still, like, sunny at midnight. And now we're, we come back, and it's, like, the sun goes down at 7.30. And we're like, well, now what do we do? Oh, yeah, yeah. We love you guys. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate you being here. And we hope you guys have an F&A day. We love you all. Let's take a quick break to listen to our sponsor, it's us, FNA Van Life. If you're enjoying all the information that you're getting on this podcast, you're going to love our Van Life book. This book is going to take you from thinking and dreaming about Van Life to buying your rig, building it out, and everything that you need to know about being on the road living Van Life full time. If you want to pick it up, it's available as a Kindle download on Amazon, and we would so appreciate your support. Link in the description below.